Welcome to Find the Outside the Podcast. This week, we have one of those irresistible invitations for you. Join us in the underworld, a place where bludgeoning puzzle pieces fall from the sky, where fire is hot underfoot, where fear and anxiety and shame roam around, prodding us. But yet, discovery still becomes possible. There's no sweet ending to this one, friends, but we invite you on the journey with us. All right, so the underworld was what we called this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And we have talked about it on the podcast before, like this idea of like, being in a period of time that is the underworld. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, um, and I picked it up, of course, from this bloke I'm reading a lot about who's, um, you know, is this mythologist who talks about now a lot of the, a lot of the period we're in is, um, is reminiscent of mythologically what you might call the underworld. I mean, he's actually written, you could go in, if you just search up, we're in the underworld and we haven't figured it out yet, mm-hmm. you'll, you get, you'll get a, a blog written by Martin Shaw on, um, on Medium, you know. And, uh, but I think, at least for me, this is, you know, based on our little opening there, where like I couldn't even get my sound settings right and Tuesday could see my facial expression of utter defeat. Um, uh, I think this is something about not just the underworld that is the societal mm-hmm. community context we're facing, but also the underworlds that we're journeying in inside of ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, part of my practice chooses, you know, is I'm doing a lot of drawing. I mean, I used to do a lot of poet, I used to do a lot of poetry writing as maybe folks know, but I'm doing a lot of drawing these days and I'm. I'm working on one image at the moment that is kind of like the, the the image is split in two and the bottom half is the underworld. And in it, I had those like four mythological weapons that we were talking oh, about, you know, nice. that kind of stuff. But, uh, but I look at it, there's lots of stuff in there, but one image that keeps coming back to me at the moment is there's one half of it that has these like almost like metal puzzle pieces, like falling out of the sky, you know, and they're not like, they're not so sharp that they will chop your arm off mm-hmm. as they spin down from the sky and land in the earth around me. But, um, but they definitely have the power for significant bludgeoning. And so, uh. <laughs> uh. and I think there's something about, um, uh, this underworld for me at the moment is that I'm at, like, I'm receiving a lot of gifts, you know, I'm receiving a lot of puzzle pieces, you know? And part of it is the amount of puzzle pieces that I'm getting, ah, uh, right, yeah. And part of it, and part of it is that they're not arriving like little bouquets of flowers. They're kind of arriving as like very large, chunky pieces of metal falling from the sky in the shape of puzzle pieces that I might have to sidestep in case they hit me, and then look at them once they've landed. And uh, and 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 I think that's true organizationally. You know, mm-hmm. oh, there's some fundamental things we need to figure out. Like, let's figure out our pay ratio, mm-hmm. you know, between the lowest earner and the highest earner. 
I think that's true in terms of, uh, you know, my relationship with my, well, my wife and my kids and my long distance family and my heritage, like all of it. It's like these puzzle pieces. There's just lots of them. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of landing with a pretty heavy, like, thunk. <laughs> right. And so that's a little bit of my underworld right now, you know, and it's almost like I've got this feeling that when it's like I have to put the pieces together to be able to like build the bridge out or build the ladder out or uh, whatever or something like that, you know. And so, and, and yeah, so that's a little, when you said the word underworld, when we chose that word today, uh, that image of the puzzle pieces falling from the sky was one that stuck with me. I wonder what, when I said the word, you jumped right on it. You said, yeah. oh, that's a, you said, oh, that's evocative. And so I wonder what it turns up for you. Like, what did it spark for you? What images come to you? Or Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk quickly about the puzzle pieces and then I will tell you for sure. Um, so one of the things that felt so clear to me as you talked about these metal puzzle pieces falling is like, well, even if they fall and even if you dodge them or catch them, right? Like that's not it. You have to figure out how they go together. It's a yeah. puzzle, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's like it's like that's only the beginning of the work is dodging them or holding them, right? Yeah. Like then there's a next yeah. step, which um, mm. feels uh, right to me. And I think it feels indicative of this kind of underworld journey you might get things and you don't know what to do with them. I, I love that you use that image of like building the bridge out will be, but that takes a minute, right? They're still mm. actually falling on you. You can't, <laughs> you, know, you can't build the bridge while the bricks are falling on your head. Well, um, I think, I think that might be exactly what we're doing as a species. Well, that's true. <laughs> right. That's a good point. That's true. One could even say it's what's happening at the outside. If the puzzle oh. pieces could also write be. Oh, definitely. Um, what happening you know. at the outside. Yeah. No doubt. So I just like just to notice like there's a, there, it feels like there's this moment of like, oh, what am I going to do? There's that, that the, the only thing you can do is be present to that, that puzzle piece falling and catching it or dodging it. But then that's, that's only the beginning. The next part is to figure it out. So that's, mm. um, I was just really, really aware of that. And I can't imagine big puzzle pieces falling like soft, gentle rain, uh, mm-hmm. just to oh. name. Um, and I really jumped when you said underworld because I think I'm really identifying with that sense of disorientation, of being in a place you don't know what to do and you don't exactly know what's next and you don't quite know where to go, that the underworld feels like a really evocative place to describe a feeling or a sense. There's something happening. All I can do is be present to it because it's I'm it's here right now. Um, and then I can decide kind of what to do. And I was thinking uh, this week I had a a real experience of disorientation and like my feet, the kind of getting pushed out from under me by my own mind. Right. So, um, this week I decided to launch, um, a goddess class, which is very, very different from the work we do at the outside. It's a, it feels like a huge leap of vulnerability and also not how people know me. I mean, my close in people of course know that I've been on this journey. 
but it's not anything I present in the world. It feels quite private. It feels like my very core spirituality. Um, and what I noticed is when I made the invitation out to the world, all of a sudden I was just beset by my own mind, beset with doubt, beset with you don't have the skills or the tools. What are you thinking? Why would you do this? Like, just felt like my mind just pushed me right back into this place of like unknowing. Um, and, and, you know, my inclination of course was to kind of like try to fight my mind, right. To figure out why I do know what I'm doing or why I should be doing this or all of those things. But that didn't really help at all (laughs) until I was just like, oh, oh, I just actually need to surrender to these particular thoughts right now and let them come at me and let myself experience them and not fight them and actually just be really present um, in a, in a, what felt like a fairly dark place. And then I could figure out what to do to get out of it. But I actually had to just be in that place for a bit of time, feel that shake, allow myself not to reassert my confidence that I knew what to do, not to reassert that it would, not to even reassert that it would be okay, but to actually just stay in the place of like, this doesn't feel good. I don't like this. I don't want to feel this way. I don't, I, that's that's all I can say. I don't like this. I don't want to feel this way. I want to escape these very thoughts that are happening in my mind. And that feels under, that feels underworldy to me. That's what comes up for me. This is direct quote from Martin Shaw. When we move into underworld time, mythically, the first thing to go is the lights. <laughs> just because you just said it. <laughs> it's just hilarious. This is a shadowed or even pitch black zone of encounter. Nothing is how it seems on the surface of things. We have to get good with our ears. So mm. to repeat, our eyes alert us to the wider situation, but it is, it is our ears that alert us to the personal the particular, the micro in the macro. This tends to be where the heart is alerted. And there's just more of the underworld about. It's tactile, tangible attributes. We have penthos, grief, curi, anxiety, and phobos, fear. Those gatekeepers of the place roving Mm. ever more readily around us. Either chronic or acute, acknowledged or not, they are present at our table. This feels like a good time to take a break and share an invitation with you, our listeners. We're taking some time to step back and learn more about what you're experiencing following along with us on this podcast and what that's been like. We thought we might start by sharing some of what we know about who you are, and we'll close here with an invitation to talk with our producer who has some questions for our audience, because as you'll see, we don't really know that much about who you are. I know. So weird, Mm -hmm. all these people listening. But Mm -hmm. here's what we do know. We know about half of you are in the United States. Roughly a quarter are listening from Canada. 6% are in Australia. 5% in the United Kingdom. Come on, United Kingdom. (laughs) Come on. 4% of listeners are in Sweden. 3% in Germany and 2% in Switzerland. And then the rest of you 
are spread all over the world. We've got a handful of loyal listeners and we love you and are grateful for you Mm -hmm. in Mexico, Italy, Bulgaria, Spain, the Netherlands, Ireland, New Zealand and Belgium. So. So. Here. So so here we have this global, mostly North American audience and we don't really know that much more about you. So we're inviting our listeners to email us to have a brief chat with our producer, Mark Coffin, who has some questions for you about why you listen, how you listen, and the role this podcast plays in your life and work. You can set up some time to talk with him by emailing podcast at findtheoutside.com. It really shouldn't take more than 10 or 15 minutes, and it would mean a lot to us to learn more about what it is that is bringing you back every couple of weeks and how we can make the podcast even better for you. And just thank you, thank you, thank you for listening along with us. It just feels Mm -hmm. like an enormous gift to have people kind of journeying along and uh and so anyway back to the podcast thanks for listening in talk to mark he's awesome you know there's something that's so validating not because it's like great that's what you're gonna feel but there's actually something quite validating in hearing there is a bit of a understanding of the terrain. The terrain is uncertain. It brings, I love those words he used, fear and anxiety and grief. Like I love, certainly a master, a master wordsmith there. Um, And I think that's actually where I find, it's so interesting because it's actually where I finally landed this week was like, oh, I'm feeling all these crazy feelings of doubt and uncertainty and shame. What? What? Mm. How is that there? Why is that there? And then I, as I let the feelings come and let the, you know, like the, I just allowed that self-talk to happen. I thought, oh, this is what happens when you're actually doing something different, right? When you go, like I saw it as a sign, like these were, these feelings were a guidepost or like, um, not maybe a guide, uh, uh, Signal. Signal. Yes. They were a signal that I was doing something that was fundamentally and foundationally different from how I've gone forward before. And so if I can see them as a signal, just a a description of the place I'm in, then I can be with them in a really different way than believing them or or whatever it would be. I mean, as you know, I've lived with uh, anxiety most of my life, but it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s. that one of my mentors says to me, said to me, well, what if you began to understand your anxiety as the future knocking on the door? Mm-hmm. What if it was that? Wow. You know, uh, and that kind of changed my perspective on it completely, you know, at least for a while. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that's in- incredibly rich. Not easy though. No. I feel like you could hear us, one, our listeners could hear us. And I've heard people talking about shadow and underworld and kind of been like, yeah, I'm up for that. I'm up for that. If, if you know, if you want transformation, you got to go deep. You got to go dark. You got to go, you know what I mean? You have to dive in. And I feel like a person who's up for that. And yet in those moments, like, I'm as shaky as anyone can be, just as yeah. shaky as anyone can be, and I'm not always sure. Uh, do you? Did you all ever have like those haunted houses you could go into? Where they were, you know, you'd go. Oh, yeah, and we you'd still have, have to, them here. 
Yeah. And you have to make your way through, right? Yeah. And there's a point where you you get, at least for me, get in and you're like, I don't want to be here. Wait a second. I know I bought the ticket. I know I said I was going to go through this haunted house, but I'm in the middle now and I do not want to be here. And mm. um, and you can only go forward. Well, I suppose you could, you know, there's lots of things you could do, but um, but it kind of reminded me of that this particular week. I'm 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 seeking transformation. I'm calling. I'm willing. I'm open. And okay, so here it is. You know. Yeah, and it's not all it's not all like party poppers and balloons, is it? It's exactly. not like innovation. Right. <laughs> it's just like a great big fuck you. More learning. Oh my <laughs> God. All right, there's a bit of that. You know what? I you know what um it made me think of? Because I think many of our listeners, I imagine, if I imagine our listeners can relate to this idea of bringing something new into their places, into their work, into their lives. And the feelings we're talking about as being archetypal, this feeling of being in the underworld as just kind of like a part of the human experience, which is why it's so embedded in the mythology of all of our cultures, you know, these journeys we go through, right? And uh, and I was thinking about, we do this uh, exercise called generative listening, and uh, I actually first experienced it with you. And now it's become mm. really part of the lexicon of the methodology of the outside. And, and I, 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 the, the first question we ask in there where people tell their stories, could you just, you, I know yeah. you've got it embedded in your brain, but yeah. that, what's the it's, question we ask to yeah. get the stories? It's tell about a time when your life or your work required you to step forward with courage or reveal more about yourself. Mm. Let me say it again. Mm. Yeah. Tell about a time when your life or your work required you to step forward with courage or reveal more about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we ask that and people work in groups of four and they share those stories and they listen to each other for particular themes. And, and it's really consistently uh, one of the moments in our work where people form some of the foundational relational bonds that mm-hmm. enable them to tackle to tackle seemingly insurmountable challenges, right? I mean, it's just like it becomes one of those crucible moments again and again mm-hmm. and again, doesn't it? You know, so there's something about like fessing up. You know, there's something about like being yeah. brutally honest about these kind of moments we're in or the journeys we're going through. I think that. Um, is central to the work, you know, and, and, and I think often it can be dismissed as self-indulgence or hubris. Can I read a bit from Martin Shaw again? Just yeah, of course. Is that, um, he's got, this might be the word of our podcast because we've been having fancy words every podcast, but this might be it. Ooh. The underworld is a place where we admit our red right hand. We give up the apotropaic... <laughs> The apotropaic act is when you ritually ward off evil. When you claim innocence unduly, you're attempting a similar unseemly act, keeping your hands clean. So we could entertain our own hypocrisies for a while. That would be suitably sobering. When we start to remove the scaffold of smoke and mirrors propping up our lives, what is left, right? I have to say something deeply unfashionable. 
It is not relentlessly self. It is not relentless self-absorption that makes us realize our interior mess is directly mirrored outside ourselves. That's not vanity. That's attention. It's not hubris. It's horrifying clarity. If you don't attend to your soul's vitality with intent, then suppressed, it'll run you ragged. Mm-hmm. Ragged. You are not above catastrophe to get your attention. Souls seem more dangerous to talk about than sex, violence, death. Or money these days, even. Wow. <laughs> but it's like, there's something about this ability to talk about the journeys that we're on as human beings and the, 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 uh, that binds, that binds people together. And, and there's, and sometimes I feel like the shame is like, it can feel like it's almost self-indulgent to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. I think, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting how shame can wrap around a soul and just kind of color things so much, you know, and might not even feel like shame and might, might not even look like shame, might look like arrogance or, or reticence or standoffishness or risk taking or complete control. Like shame has so many ways of showing up. Um, when it kind of wraps around your soul that you don't automatically like, oh, that's shame. Um, I was thinking about to add to this, when we do the generative listening, often we'll say to folks, like, this isn't necessarily the story where you're the hero coming in and saving today. It's not Mm. necessarily a story that has a good ending or you might be in the middle of it or you might have- Doesn't even have an ending. Exactly, exactly. And so there's something about- um, reminding people this isn't, we're not necessarily, as we tell these stories, casting ourselves as the victorious protagonist that overcame something, right? That the stories, you know, step forward with courage or reveal more about yourself. Um, I'll often encourage people to reveal more about themselves while they're telling the story, right? That, that there's a vulnerability in the storytelling um, that I think helps people connect. It's not just, oh, I know you better. It's actually, I've sat with you with your vulnerability. Um, yeah, and often, I mean, we'll have it years later, people talk about that particular point in a project or that particular point in the work really yeah. shifting. Yeah. Chris Corrigan, we used to work a lot with Chris, you know, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and he has, I mean, he's a man who can tell stories, isn't he? I mean, he's a great, <laughs> That's right. That's he's right. He's a wonderful, wonderful storyteller. And, uh, but he, uh, he, I remember him, t- I don't know if you were there, he was saying once about how, he was involved in some work around the in, uh, indigenous child welfare system on the on the west coast of Canada, and he was actually in South Africa telling them the story um, uh, around the work they had done, and uh, and and he was and he rem- and he was saying that he was sitting in this circle in South Africa with a bunch of leaders telling this story, and and they were all leaning in and listening, and he kept being he kept saying to them, "This doesn't end well. This doesn't mm-hmm. end well." You know, mm-hmm. and eventually one of them was like, stop, stop telling us it doesn't end well. That's why we're all listening. That's how we know it's true. Mm. <laughs> and I just thought that was great, you know, because there can be such a culture of sharing it, sharing the uh, the success. But, well, uh, and I- but it gets to a little bit of what you were saying there, I think. Well, yes. And I even have a, uh, just to be honest, I even have like a, uh, I can feel in my gut a little need to somehow um, 
make tie it up with a bow. Mm. Right? Instead mm. of just saying, wow, look, Tuesday and Tim are in the other world in a cup in some pretty significant ways this week. Like this isn't necessarily like by the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how we resolved it. Now we're feeling better. But there is like an impulse somehow to like wrap it up or say like, oh, and this is how I came back up. And there was, of course, a little bit of that, but I'm actually trying to stay mm. in those feelings. And what do they teach me? And why did I have them? And what are the, you know, I know this might sound way too woo for people, but like kind of what are, what was the, what were the gifts from this crisis of confidence I had this week that I don't often have? Like, why did I get shaken so much and what needed needs, needed needs to be shaken in me? Yeah. We're just inviting the listeners to join us at the frayed end of the tapestry we're trying to pull together, right? Yeah. Like. Um, I, I have a question. Uh, um, well, I don't even know, but I, I know I'm interested how our different backgrounds turn up in different ways in the underworld or how different parts of us mm. are triggered or provoked as a, at being in the underworld, you know, and I know that, and, and also this idea of shame. So I, I know that shame was a weapon of control growing up for me. You know, within my family, within the uh, institutions I was put through, that is how we were kind of like battered into the shape of colonial administrators, if you like, or leaders within institutions or how we were primed, you, you know, to be in positions of would have been, what would have been considered uh, societal uh, establishment power, you know. And, uh, and a lot of that was about um, con conformity. Mm. you know and uh like conform 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 and uh and so it, it for me i feel like i've been in the underworld for a while you know and and uh but uh i think part of what i'm realizing is because uh, you go into the underworld and you get these gifts whether they're moments of crisis or huge chunky metal puzzle pieces <laughs> falling from the sky <laughs> mm -hmm. you get them and then you want to leave with them and i actually think in the leaving you meet some of the toughest resistance right you know because mm. actually you're coming out with something new you know and so what i'm coming is like I've, I've done a done a lot of journeying into the kind of life i want the kind of organization i want to build the kind of relationships i want to have how i want to turn up in my there's been a lot of this kind of like journeying um and then but there's something about like what i what i encounter is this kind of like ah, oh, you can't leave with that mm. you, can't, you can't leave with that shit you're not going up there with that right? Like conform, you know, like it's so embedded into my personal narrative from the day I left the womb into mm -hmm. my family. That is a multi-generational practice of conformity to uh, enable success and wealth and position. Um, uh, that it, I, I feel like that's, it's almost like this barrier I'm hitting up against, you know, it doesn't matter what beautiful gift you have what amazing things you've received, what puzzle pieces you've put together. You know, there are these narratives that come just as a result of your 
heritage, your upbringing, your multi-generational legacy that we have to move through to kind of do something with them without them just being like insights mm. that are like fireworks, you know, or they come and they go and you're like, whoa, insight. Nice. And then you <laughs> go back to doing things the way you've always done them. Right. So I don't know how that lands for you, but I was just thinking, I don't know whether that idea of conformity is very particular to kind of like a privately educated kid from a middle to upper class family, you know, who has a the kind of heritage I have, you know, and how that might be different to what you meet as you try and like walk out of this experience of a crisis of confidence and then translate that into how you turn up differently out there. You know, mm-hmm. what is the... I'm just wondering, I just, I just had this, because that, because I can talk about conformity as it very directly relates to my family, my culture, my, my class, my education. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I can see that rolling throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Boy, that, I would just say. Just had a moment of like that landing, like, oh, have we cursed yet? Jen's going to put an E on this anyway. So I just had a moment of like, <laughs> I just had a moment of like, oh, fuck. Fuck what yeah. would that Like, what would it be like to have an insight and understanding receive a gift and then feel like I couldn't express it? Mm. Um, Manifest it. Yeah, so it's right. So I just say, I think there is something really different in your experience and your cultural experience that you're pointing to. Because I don't think that's, I I don't, that doesn't feel as much part of my story. It doesn't feel, but what might be different, what would keep me from, bringing that gift out and back up into the light I think might be a concern around safety or, um, you know, like I don't, black people don't get to just do what they want. You know, that's not really allowed to just do what you want. Of course, of course, and we have our great artists and all the people who have, and that's not true, but I would just say culturally, um, when, when what you are is not the norm, right? Uh, you are, when all the benchmarks reject what you are, I think there's probably some real freedom in that. I don't doubt that there's some real freedom in that, but probably an inability or a lack of safety to express it. I think that that's what I might say. So as I thought about, I just want to like ground it, right? I want to ground it. And so as I thought about this week in doing the goddess class, like where all of that shaking, all of that, but an overriding concern that might be analogous to your concern around conformity or what you're talking about, my overriding concern was um, will this decrease my credibility? Mm. I have to make a living. Mm. People see me in a certain way. I've worked hard to be seen in a certain way. Will this undermine that? And if it undermines that, will I be able to 
will I, yeah, like, will I lose credibility and not because of conformity, but actually because there's not, I feel like I've, and I think all of us, um, you know, I think as a, as a, a black person, credibility, how you're viewed in this white dominated white supremacist society is of utmost importance. It's how you're safe. It's how you make a living. It's how you walk down the street. And you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I think that that's more the, I think it's more of a safety concern if I were to say, and and sometimes physical safety for sure, but economic safety, um, things like that. So I think that that's maybe like the little, not the little, but the, a cultural difference. That's how I would begin to think about what you just said. But I haven't thought about Sorry, it a I lot. Thank you. But I don't ever not do, I don't ever, Tim, not do what I'm being called to do because of conformity. Like, I don't, like, that's just not, unless it will not make me safe. Hmm. I remember when well, I left. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I remember when I ended my marriage. Uh, wonderful woman in the neighborhood, white woman is like, well, did you worry about what people would think? I was like, never, not even once, not for one second. I only worried about what I thought because if I wasn't clear about it, then there's no way I could present it to the world. So that's, again, if we go back to my dark night, if I wasn't clear, which I went into my unclarity this week, I didn't feel like I could bring it out into the world. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, You know, the amazing thing about this podcast is I don't think I could have the conversations I'm having with you many other places in the world, yet we get to be witnessed as we do it. So it's it's so fucking weird, isn't it? But anyway, so the interesting thing about conformity for me is that, you know, growing up, the price for uh, not conforming was brutal. Mm. Like it was violent, it was humiliating, mm. it was abusive, it was sh- shaming, right? So then that becomes the kind of programmed behavior. But there was never an economic risk to it. Mm. You know? Right. So as you were talking, I actually found myself like relating to a lot of what you were saying you know, like the risk of of like me as a very kind of like flamboyant, kind of like the kind of young person I was expressive, you know, into theater, like what, you know, and, and, um, but then when you said economic safety, I was like, no, that, that was never a worry. Mm. So many of the other pieces were, you know, and I think you and I, we go, we've gone back, we come back to this sometimes of like the, of like, the trauma that can take place among the privileged classes, which let's be straight, leaves us with fundamentally wounded ruling class the world over, mm-hmm. like like traumatized people in positions of significant power and decision making everywhere. In oh, my shit. humble little opinion, <laughs> right? But but the 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 trauma that happens within the uh uh confines of privilege um uh doesn't come attached with a risk of economic 
uh, I don't know the right word, loss, destitution, void, whatever, you, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't yeah. even have the fucking word for it. Look. <laughs> <laughs> That's how privileged you are. Exactly. Isn't that funny? That's so correct. Um, so it's like, so that's, so it's that safety net, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I have seen people close to death as a, as a, close to death by choice as a result of the trauma they've experienced it within contexts of very high privilege, mm-hmm. right? It's not that those results aren't possible or yes. are, can't be a trajectory and it, and it, pains me greatly that so often we dismiss trauma because it's couched in privilege. I think that is unacceptable, but there is a fundamental difference, right? Of this kind of economic safety net that surrounds uh, the ruling classes. I don't know, just a reflection, you know, a feeling, feeling myself relating to a lot of what you were saying from my experience of growing up of the actually the danger, the self like, even if it may not cause me harm at this point in my life, I have been very trained. Right. So that's the result. Humiliation, violent, whatever. It's an easy movie. It's an easy movie to roll, you know. I mean, I think that's exactly right. And I I think you were also, however, I also think, I mean, humans need, right? Food, water, shelter, clothing. But mm. human beings also need belonging. And so I think that that's kind of like the the basic human need that's threatened if you don't conform. Yeah. Right? And belonging, I think, can feel like not having the love that each of us needs, but I think at like a, a reptilian brain level, it's like survival. Belonging is survival. Um, and so that's why it's not just like, oh – do the hard work, don't conform, blaze your, like, I mean, like, yeah, all of that's true, but like, there's something that kicks in in our brains that's like about survival. And I think in some ways that could be a gift, right, of being outside of the standard. And I often think it's even a gift of being a biracial person. Like, I'm not going to quite fit in anywhere. So Mm. I just don't, you know, but I do have deep needs for belonging, trying to find them in other ways. Um, But that, conformity, belonging. It, it feels like it's really like tight, tight, tight to a basic human need. And of course, that's why it's effective. Yeah, that's right. If you yeah, it's that, like, it gets... yeah, 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 it's like the deliberate transference of loyalty from family to institution that often happens among, certainly uh, within my culture, among kids from uh, wealthier families who go away to boarding schools and stuff. Choose, we've journeyed into the underworld. We're definitely not leaving it today. We are not. I just had but, a... Uh, but thanks for, thanks for coming with us, listeners. And Tuesday, yeah, I feel like you, you're going to say some things and I shouldn't have wrapped it up so quickly. I, I mean, I just like what you said. Like, Because I, I, I was going to say, I think that this, like, we're in the middle of. We are not mm. out of the underworld. That's not where this podcast will end today. <laughs> um. But I'm really glad we went, uh, I guess, you know what? I feel like I'm really glad that we shared a glimpse into each other's particular underworld today. And I hope that's useful for the folks who are listening. 
I hope we remember it when we're in our next one or in projects. Because of course, projects would go through this as well. Oh my gosh, yeah. I have a song. You have a song. Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a song. Uh, I sent it to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I heard it on Lauren Laverne, who's a BBC Radio 6 DJ in the morning. So I get up in the mornings. Katie doesn't like music on, but she's usually down first. So she makes all the kind of, does the first round of the kind of lunch stuff for kids. Then I come in. I do the sandwiches and I always put on Radio 6 on Lauren Laverne. And I love this woman. I love her radio show. I love how she turns up. Mm. And I love um, so much of the music that she brings because it comes from so many different places. But I first heard this song there. Um, and it's uh, uh, it, it's from Handsome Boy Modeling School. <laughs> it's such a great name. Isn't it? And the uh, the album cover actually says, A Musical Curriculum. From the Handsome Boy Modeling School. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's the al- It's the album. So, how's your girl? And the song um, is called "The Truth," and it features uh, Royzin and Jay Live. And Royzin Murphy is also someone, someone's music who I just adore. So to have mm. kind of Handsome Boy and Royzin Murphy in there together, and then the extra joy of Jay Live. It's a really, really wicked tune. Um, uh, and I hope I hope you'll really enjoy it. It's one of those ones you can, again, as always, right? Sit back and listen and enjoy. Go for a walk with, or sit and look out of a window too. He's the gift of music. Well, I felt like it was a gift. You sent it to me and I was in the midst of making playlists for the different kinds of goddesses. So this one on the this one on the beautiful goddesses playlist. So thank you for that. Yes. I feel like <laughs> I I just feel like there's no better sign for a song yeah. than to make the beautiful goddess playlist. I love That's it. True. That's right. Okay, I have a poem. And I've read this person before. Her name is Sarah La Rosa. And um, the book that it's from is called Her Strange Angels, which it just, oh my goodness. And it says, a book of invocations, beauty words, and divine presence. And I just love, I feel like now I want to call poetry beauty words. That feels like what I want to say. So this is called Surrender. To willingly relinquish one's control, one's idea of how it should be. To lay down all the tools and weaponry that struggles to keep inevitability at bay. But not powerless. She is a sister whose offered hand we reluctantly take, walking toward the underground tunnel we didn't know existed. The tunnel of the way, the way you did not know, the way of initiation, the way of death and rebirth, the way of unexpected wholeness and startling truth. Surrender brings you and shows you the way. 
you are led barefoot and bleeding through the dark of your soul in the, bil- in the bewilderment of your heart to a place where cool earth waits. Surrender. Your sister is a marvelously gifted and expert guide. Though she carries a sword in her hand at her side, do not be alarmed. She will care for you here. Whatever is cut, hacked, and bleeding in you will begin the mending, remembering process of healing in Surrender's earthen home below. You will stay with her a while, for many days, weeks, perhaps months. You will maybe stay longer. Once the time is right, though, you will return above ground to the leaves and the winds and the yellow sunlight. You may have trouble recognizing yourself as well as others. Your ears, eyes, and nose changed while you were underground. Your sight softened in the darkness so long. Your hearing magnified within your skull and throat, bringing the pattering steps of mice to your consciousness as the thud and thwack of big things, dark and powerful things, prowling the night. And your sense of smell sharpened, growing so accustomed to the moist soil beneath your feet and the scent of woody roots above your head. Surrender has given you gifts, gifts used in the night, where the brightest light is bestowed by the moon. Surrender has shown you the greatest wisdom to be found in the silent places where no voice is heard, for no voice is needed. And though in the beginning you felt such deep sorrow in your unbidden silence, and its great, pervasive, relentless progress taking over every part of you, you have come to see that silence is yet another sister, teaching you great and secret things, giving you great and holy gifts. I feel like that's someone who's been to the underworld. Hmm. See you next time, folks. There we go.